U.S. sends more weapons to Ukraine ahead of expected counteroffensive. Helene Cooper Emiliano Rodriguez Mega Andrew E. Kramer Anushka Padil. A $325 million package includes ammunition for Hamar's rocket systems, artillery rounds, anti-armor weapon systems and anti-tank mines. Here is what we're covering. The United States is sending another weapons package to Ukraine, this one valued at $325 million, Pentagon officials said on Wednesday, as the Biden administration moves to shore up Ukrainian munitions and logistical supplies in advance of an expected counteroffensive. The new package includes ammunition for Hamar's rocket systems, artillery rounds, anti-armor weapon systems and anti-tank mines. Two weeks ago, the administration announced a $2.6 billion package that included munitions for Ukraine's air defense systems. The $325 million will provide weaponry for military stockpiles, officials said. Ukrainian troops who were trained recently in how to use the Patriot missile system are expected to arrive in Ukraine soon. On Wednesday, Alexei Reznikov, the Ukrainian defense minister, wrote on Twitter that a Patriot system had arrived in the country. American officials have been rushing to reinforce Ukraine's air defenses amid worries that President Vladimir V. Putin of Russia will decide that he is ready to redeploy his air force, which has largely sat out the war, in an effort to gain ground. Officials say that Ukraine's air defenses, which troops keep on the move to avoid Russian strikes, have done a good job of keeping Russian warplanes out of the skies over most of the country. But leaked classified Pentagon documents that surfaced on social media sites two weeks ago show that, as of early March, there was concern in the American intelligence community that Ukraine was running low on air defense munitions. The latest weapons package will include precision-guided munitions for logistic support vehicles, over 9 million rounds of small arms munitions, demolition munitions for obstacle clearing, and equipment meant to help Ukrainian forces secure their ports and harbors. A fierce battle still rages in the city of Bakhmut, which is at the heart of a Russian campaign to seize all of the Donbass region of eastern Ukraine. Russian troops were expected to have taken the city months ago, but the battle has been long and costly. Pentagon officials say that the front lines remain static, with both sides exchanging significant amounts of artillery fire. The State of the War Dueling Trip President Volodymyr Zelensky of Ukraine visited the eastern town of Avdiivka and President Vladimir Putin of Russia traveled to occupied areas of Ukraine near the front line, as both leaders sought to display strength and rally their troops. A Common Front the foreign ministers of the Group of Seven Nations closed a three-day meeting in Japan with a forceful statement of unity against new assertiveness by both Russia and China. Evan Gershkovich The Wall Street Journal reporter, who was arrested in Russia on suspicion of espionage, declared his innocence at a hearing in Moscow in his first public appearance since his detention. The judge denied Gershkovich's appeal to lift his pretrial detention. Western Technology Imports Banned technology goods are winding up in Russian missiles, raising questions about the efficacy of Western sanctions adopted in 2022. President Volodymyr Zelensky of Ukraine will address Mexican lawmakers Thursday, drawing Mexico, which has said little publicly about Russia's invasion, into the global discussion of the war as both sides prepare for new offensives. 
Mr. Zelensky will speak at noon local time to a virtual conference organized by Mexican lawmakers, a spokesman for the lower chamber of Congress said on Wednesday. The president of Ukraine has spoken to dozens of legislatures in the past year. He has used those appearances, including one to the U.S. Congress, to rally support and ask for more weapons to fight Russia. President Andres Manuel López Obrador of Mexico has said little publicly since he condemned the war days after it started in February 2022. And while Mexico's ambassador to the United Nations has voted in favor of resolutions against Russia, the nation has not sent any humanitarian aid to Ukraine, has said it would not take sides by sending weapons and has refused to support sanctions imposed on Russia. Ukraine and Russia are both signaling that they want to broaden support for their war efforts after more than a year of fighting. Russia has relied mainly on Belarus, which has allowed Russian forces to stage attacks from its territory, and China, a staunch ally on the UN Security Council, where both nations can veto the actions of the United States and its allies. Mr. Zelensky, with the help of the United States, has built a coalition of about 40 nations that provide weapons, financing and training to Ukrainian forces. His campaign has included making speeches, mostly by video, to lawmakers all over the world to bolster support, often invoking the historical and patriotic themes of the host country. He has labeled cowards nations that are slow or refuse to aid Ukraine. Mr. Zelensky and allies have been warning that Moscow is gearing up for a spring offensive and that they need more military aid for a counteroffensive to take back territory seized by Russian troops. Russia has leaned on allies in Latin America, the Middle East and Africa to add to the direct support from Belarus. As Mr. Zelensky speaks on Thursday to the Mexican lawmakers, Sergei V. Lavrov, the Russian foreign minister, will be traveling through Latin America on a trip that has already taken him to Brazil, Venezuela and Nicaragua. Cuba is his final destination. KYIV, Ukraine, a bright flash and a streak of burning debris in the sky illuminated streets in the Ukrainian capital on Wednesday night, alarming residents and prompting authorities to activate the city's air raid alarms. Within hours, the city's military administration said the cause was a satellite plunging from orbit, while Ukraine's Air Force issued a statement blaming a falling satellite or a meteor. At the current time, there is no risk of the enemy using air attack weapons, it said. In any case, the object came to Earth over a city already on edge after months of Russian missile attacks. The flash had set off speculation among the public and officials that a NASA spacecraft that was expected to re-enter the atmosphere sometime Wednesday evening had caused the flash. The craft had collected data from solar flares, and most of it was expected to incinerate on re-entry. According to the U.S. Defense Department, the re-entry was not expected until hours after the flashover Kiev. Confusingly for residents of the capital, the object exploded in the sky as a genuine Russian attack with exploding drones was targeting other cities in Ukraine. Air alerts were in effect in the country's central and eastern regions. The Air Force said it had shot down about 10 Iranian-made exploding drones in southeastern Ukraine around the same time as the flashover Kiev. President Volodymyr Zelensky's chief of staff, Andriy Yermak, had posted on social media that air defenses were firing in Kiev and joked that the flash was not a UFO, but then wrote that the Air Force would provide an update on the cause of the mysterious light. 
and before pointing the finger at a falling satellite, the Kiev military administration issued a warning that airborne targets have been detected in the sky and said air defense forces were on alert. The air raid alert was in effect for about an hour in Kiev after the flash before an all-clear was announced. Survivors of Russia's occupation of parts of Ukraine told the House Foreign Affairs Committee about the atrocities they had endured, including torture, mock execution and the forced separation of children, in powerful detail on Wednesday, at a hearing intended to keep the spotlight on Russian war crimes. In January of this year, they came for me, recounted a 57-year-old accountant from the Kherson region who said she had survived five days in a Russian torture chamber in which she had been physically and psychologically abused. The woman's full name was not disclosed for her safety, and her face was not shown on camera. As she told her story with the help of an interpreter, some members of the House committee grew visibly emotional. While in the torture chamber, the woman said that she was made to undress, was cut with a knife, endured beatings and faced threats of rape and death, as well as a mock execution. Russian soldiers forced me to dig my own grave, the woman recalled. They took her to a field, beat her, and fired a handgun next to her head, as if executing me, she said. The woman said she was eventually able to escape into Ukrainian-held territory and later to the United States, where her daughter is a citizen. The testimony of a second survivor, a 16-year-old boy named Roman, was delivered by a Ukrainian lawyer while he remained in an adjacent room to protect his identity. Roman, an orphan, was attending a vocational boarding school in the Donetsk region of Ukraine's east when Russia invaded on February 24, 2022, the lawyer, Katerina Bobrovska, said. Roman and other students faced repeated intimidation by Russian troops. At one point, the turret of an armored vehicle was pointed at them, Ms. Bobrovska said. Roman understood he could not exist in those conditions, she said. He walked 37 miles in the winter conditions to his hometown, she said, at times sleeping outdoors and begging for food from local residents. But the Russian occupation had reached Roman's hometown by the time he arrived. Despite his pleas to stay with his siblings, Roman was issued a new birth certificate and in May was sent to Russia. Ms. Bobrovska said that he and other Ukrainian children were visited by Russia's Commissioner for Children's Rights, Maria Lvova-Belova, who informed them that they would be adopted. They tried to reshape his mind, Ms. Bobrovska told the House Committee, saying the boy was forcibly featured in Russian propaganda on television and made to say that he liked his new family and his new life, she said. Roman eventually managed to return to Ukraine with the help of volunteers, Ms. Bobrovska said, but she did not detail how, citing safety concerns. Russia's forcible relocation of thousands of Ukrainian children like Roman was the basis for arrest warrants issued by the International Criminal Court last month for President Vladimir V. Putin of Russia and Ms. Lvova-Belova on accusations of war crimes. The Kremlin has claimed the relocations were for humanitarian reasons. The prosecutor-general of Ukraine, Andriy Kostin, addressed the Republican-led House committee after the survivors' testimony to urge increased international pressure on Russia to return the children. He argued that the consequences of Russia's aggression went far beyond Ukraine, saying, it is a global war. And he called out countries of the global south and others who still try to be neutral or still try to shake hands with Putin and his regime, referring to nations like India, South Africa and Brazil, that have tried to walk a diplomatic tightrope between Russia and the West.
Mr. Costin met with several U.S. officials in Washington this week, including Attorney General Merrick B. Garland, who announced on Monday that the Justice Department would appoint a prosecutor and legal advisor to help Ukraine prosecute potential Russian war crimes. We will do everything we can to help Ukraine achieve justice for its people, Mr. Garland said.